I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It was a new day, and she was already running late. She was getting ready for a full schedule of responsibilities and meetings and people to see, and she needed a solid outfit to wear. So she stood in front of her closet, looking over all of the rows of pants and blouses and jackets, and she was filled with the most resounding and visceral feeling right in her gut. Why bother? I don't want to wear any of these clothes. I don't like any of my options. Maybe you're familiar with this feeling. Maybe you have felt this way when you have been facing a new day. It's an overwhelming feeling of weariness. And maybe that's not true for you. Maybe it shows up in other ways. Maybe later in the day, you are sitting in front of your laptop and you're looking at your email program and you see all of uh, those unanswered emails and you just think to yourself, I just don't want to. You don't want to work. You don't want to have to return that phone call. You don't want to have to cook dinner again. You just don't want to do the things that are in front of you to do. And it does come from a sense of being tired, but it's tired of doing the same old things over and over again, annoyed, disgusted at the choices that are in front of you, um, that pushes you to the place of saying, why even bother? The early Christians of Thessalonica were very much in touch with this emotion, but not about clothes or emails. They were feeling this way about their daily work. The scripture lesson says that some of them were living in idleness. They were busybodies, unwilling to work hard for their own bread. So Paul, in getting stuff done, he writes them a letter. And it is a short letter. It's just three chapters long. You could probably look it up and read the entire thing before I'm done talking today. It is short and to the point. And in it, Paul talks all throughout about the importance of good deeds, that the life of faith brings up in all of us a desire to do things that are helpful. And Paul praises those things that he happens to see in this congregation, things like steadfastness and love for each other and a desire for goodness. But he's also noticing and starts to address those in the community who don't have that same spirit. He wants to deal with the problems of idleness. He wants people to pay attention to the ways that they are contributing or not contributing, and especially those people who are not only saying, why bother, but the people who are meddling. They are turning to their neighbors and saying, not only why bother, but why should you bother too? People who use their free time to start trouble in a community are destructive, and so Paul wants to nip this behavior in the bud. He's not afraid to get harsh with them And he even says that that 
really striking line. Um, it was really striking to me. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, those who are unwilling to work should not eat. Yeah. I was like, wow, Paul, savage, like getting right at it. And I, I should kind of have a nice little like, over here, sidebar. Let's not take that verse out of context and start applying it to everyone everywhere that those who are unwilling to work should not eat because that's not, that's not really to the spirit of the rest of the Gospels and all of the ways that uh, Jesus teaches us to care for the poor and the vulnerable and rant. <laughs> what Paul wants is for these idle Christians to fully grasp the reality that how you act shows the fulfillment of your calling. And we all have a calling. We all have a path to pursue that God gives to us. We all have good work to do. And sure, there is plenty of stuff on our plates that we just don't want to. There's plenty of stuff that is tedious and annoying, um, but there is a lot of good stuff. There are some wonderful things to do, some amazing ways that we get to contribute to the needs of the world around us and things that, that make us feel good, the, the things that are life-giving, the ways that we are inspired and, and inspired to just jump out of bed in the morning. It's always good to draw our hearts to that. It's always good to move in that direction, to, to be driven forward by what it is that makes us glad. Frederick Buechner, who was a Presbyterian pastor, he once famously said that vocation is where the world's deepest need and your deepest gladness meet. And he wasn't talking about like, you know, your deepest gladness, like, uh, laying in a hammock and drinking a beer. <laughs> That's not Christian vocation. As nice as that sounds, laying in a hammock, eating tacos, or drinking beer is not your Christian vocation. Um, that's not one of the fruits of the Spirit, as it turns out. Our vocation has to do with the creative work that brings us joy. The being a part of something that is life-giving, that is for the sake of others. So a couple of weeks ago, I got to spend a Saturday with some of the most committed leaders here at St. Paul's. <clears throat> we had a retreat together over across the street at the station, and we all gathered together to meditate on our vocation. We got to talk about all of our, our jobs, all the different hats that we wear, whether we are serving here at church or the ways that we serve in the community. Um, the roles that we play in our families, in our jobs, out in the world, um, and how they all have these different threads that connect us back to God. And we reflected on the gifts that we have been given by God to do some good work in the world. I was blown away by our time together, and it was really just simply being in the room with all of these leaders. These were uh, Sunday school teachers and small group leaders and outreach ministry volunteers, worship leaders, all these people who have figured out how they want to serve God in this place. And you spend time with people like that, and you can't help but feel inspired. It does help us to recognize that we all have a holy calling. We all have a 
place to serve in God's kingdom, but it especially helps to be around people who are not interested in resting on their laurels, people who get stuff done. And all the people who are part of this retreat really understood on this very deep level what it means to pool our resources, to look at the needs that are in the world and our gifts and figure out how to glorify God through them. And even then, it's still no guarantee, uh, even among some of the people that most inspire us from time to time, we still get weary. We, we still wrestle with that temptation of restlessness. Even the most talented, dedicated ministers will occasionally want to throw their hands up and say, why do I even bother? So what do we do with that kind of despair? Going back to our scripture lesson, I'm a little sympathetic to those idle Thessalonians because I've been there and I, I bet you've been there too. We've, we've all been tired. We've all gotten restless with the work that we have to do. And kind of a fun like added layer to what's going on with the Thessalonians is that they've been told by their pastors like their whole lives long that Jesus is coming again. But it was kind of in the context of Jesus is coming again like tomorrow. It's going to happen really, really soon. And so some of them were so invested in that second coming that they decided, why bother with this world? Like, why bother working? Why bother getting dressed up if Jesus is just going to come again? Why bother working for things like justice and peace and reconciliation if Jesus is just going to come and blow everything up and bring judgment on the wicked? Why bother taking care of the poor and vulnerable if Jesus is just going to fix everything anyway? These are very good questions. It comforts me to know that the Thessalonians way back when were struggling with it as, as I struggle with it now. It's an existential kind of angst. If Jesus is truly in charge and rules all things in heaven and on earth and will one day come again to bring new life to the faithful and bring a violent judgment upon those who refuse to follow him, then what exactly are we here for? Why should we even bother? Another way of asking these questions is to say, what is mine to do and what is God's? I think when we are confronted with this kind of struggle, when we are really struggling with these, these questions, I think there are two things that we can do. The first thing, first good step, is to take a good look at your life and to see what is there to use. What do you have that you can use? What are your gifts? Maybe you have a gift for, for friendship, for working with children, for music, for baking, for editing bulletins, for washing linens. Maybe you have a, a big backyard or a fire pit to gather the community around. Maybe you have a gift for telling your story and encouraging others to feel safe to tell theirs. Maybe you're just good at seeing the gifts in other people and being a good cheerleader. Look at your life. There is something that you have 
some sort of experience, some sort of possession, some sort of privilege that you have that you're like, ah, I can't ever get rid of this because I know I need to use this. Whatever it is, God has given you something that needs to be put to work. And then the second practice, second thing to do, is to look at your life and to see where there is grace. To see where you have received something that you did not ask for or deserve. We can go our whole lives long, really, without recognizing how we have been loved or cared for, and so it's a good thing to wake up to that. Look at your life and see where there is some grace, and then ask yourself, does this grace that I have in my life make me feel entitled, or does it make me feel energized? Does the grace that we have in our lives make us feel uh, content with just laying in the hammock, feeling idle, or does it inspire us to do good in the world? Does the grace that we have equal, I don't know, Jesus as a bank account of like love and security that we could just use it as an excuse for our laziness? Or do we see Jesus as the chief motivator of everything good that there is in the world? Good deeds come as a response to grace. And there's a real spiritual danger in a disordered relationship to our work because it leads to a disordered relationship to grace. God has given us all so much. And if we ever forget that, if we ever um, lose sight of that, we can start embracing this like, "Eh, whatever, attitude about it. And that affects not just you, but the whole community. It can make you feel so restless that you start criticizing everything around you. It can start meddling with the ministries of others. And that kind of, that meddling, that comes as a response to idleness. But good deeds, they come as a response to grace. The church is very different now. The church is very different from the days of Paul and his visits to Thessalonica, but the call is the same. God didn't give us gifts that we wouldn't use them. Our work is not useless, and the ways that we give of ourselves in ministry are powerful and needed. Brothers, sisters, beloved, I implore you, Do not grow weary in doing what is right. Because how you act reflects the fulfillment of your calling. Do not be weary in goodness. Do not be weary in doing the things that are in front of you to do. The the work of prayer. The work of hospitality, of friendship. The work of making disciples. This is your holy work. This is your calling. This is your place in the world. Do not be weary in fulfilling your Christian vocation. Amen.